Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. So uh, Dave Watmore is going to come and speak to us now. I'd just like to pray for us while he uh, gets ready. So uh, Father, thank you. Lord, that you love us so much, and uh, I just pray you will open our hearts to hear what you have to say uh, through Dave this morning. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Be good to us. Good morning, everybody. It's always, it's always so weird speaking to a virtually empty room with a mask on, uh, lathered up with all sorts of potions to sterilize us uh, and keep us clean. So, uh, yeah, someone's going to give me a spray down. Phil's going to sort of fog me over uh, later on. He can try anyway. We'll see what happens after that. Uh, I've wanted to uh, talk about something uh, godly. So, I... Always, when I know I'm going to speak, I go for a walk with the dog uh, regularly, every most days. And uh, I pray to God and I said to him, okay, Lord, what do you want to, to talk about? What do you want me to say? And he came up with that very unusual hidden scripture, uh, John 3.16. And I went, no, you can't. No, everybody knows that scripture. Um, you know, it's just, it's become so tired. And, but I felt that clear check in my spirit of don't argue. So <laughs> I'm here today to try and breathe something for myself of freshness onto John 3.16 uh, and that passage. So as I always do, I like to, to go over uh, the context of where this scripture comes from, because I think it is, actually I found something really new looking at that, which was, I found, I'm finding very helpful. If you look at John chapter 2, at the end of that is the story of Jesus going into the temple and turning the tables over uh, in the temple. And uh, just to, to explain what that was, what was going on there, you had... Um, people, men who were selling sacrifices to the Jews uh, and making money out of it. And they were, it was a kind of like, here's your sacrifice, where's your money? Here's the sacrifice, give me your, your money. There was that sense of it. And Jesus was absolutely enraged by that. It's one of the few times we see Jesus really uh, displaying any any anger, but that was one of those. And he turned the tables over uh, in, the, in the temple and said, my house should be a house of prayer because the temple was a place where people should come to meet with the presence of God, to worship him, to hear the word of God and to pray and to also repent. But the sense of having to pay for it was really abhorrent to Jesus. So that's the first part of the context. And then John 3, 
starts with uh, Nicodemus going to meet with Jesus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Now, if you're not, I know some people will not understand what a Pharisee is or was. A Pharisee was uh, one of the very uh, high Jewish leaders. They believed uh, in God, but they believed in putting on God's, on, onto God's word man's rules. And so uh, they were... What I felt God say to me when I was reading this uh, for today was there you have this, this sense of the, the, the Pharisees were happy to put laws on the people to say, don't you carry a mat around on a Sunday morning because that's against the law. Or they said to Jesus, don't you go out and heal people on a, on a Sabbath day. But they were happy to allow these money changers to make money out of the people of God. And that is this kind of uh, balance that Jesus found was so wrong. So Nicodemus was coming from that sect, from that part of uh, the Jewish culture. So he would have known the law. He would have been uh, comfortable with that. And yet he's coming to Jesus and saying to him, at night, where the Jews would not see him and not feel that sense of persecution, he would come to them and say, he came to Jesus and said, you know, I see that you are a man sent from God, that you are a man who uh, does the, the things that only God could do by healing people, and your teaching is amazing. And Jesus, as usual, just ignores the flattery of man and, and tests Nicodemus and goes to his heart and says, what is it about, really? And he says, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And this completely throws Nicodemus, because I'm sure Nicodemus had a, had a speech already prepared uh, to, to bring to Jesus. But Jesus, n- looking to test people's hearts, not their minds, saying, you know the scriptures, Nicodemus. You know what it is about for, for God, that it is not about uh, gathering money. It's about, is your heart set on seeking after God? And Nicodemus is confused because Jesus says, you must be born again. You must change your spirit. You must seek God, repent, and ask him to change you. That's what it means to be born again, to turn away from your old mindset, from your old life, and count the cost, because that is what Nicodemus was having to do. He was having to count the cost of what it would mean to do that. He had on one hand the, the, the other Pharisees who, would, who were already against Jesus, against following what God was saying. So he was already in a difficult bind. Did he follow God or did he continue to follow man? Nicodemus knew God. He knew that there was a God. Many people know that there is a God but they need to, to make that, that, uh, that calculation of what it will cost them. Is it easier to continue to follow after man 
or do you follow after God? I see many parallels with the, with the Pharisees of, of then in, in our modern times, to be honest. Uh, the Pharisees were, were so powerful. Nearly... <laughs> nearly crushed my my whole lectern <laughs> that's added a bit of comedy to the to the moment doesn't it so what was it that that happened uh the pharisees they were saying you must do this you must do that you can't say this you must think this and we see that so much in in our culture today you can't say this out loud you can't believe that because it's it's not the fashionable thing. Church, we're being asked to come out from that and stand up for God. Stand up against things. We seek after him and not seek after man's uh, word. When the, the, the day that I was born again, the guy who encouraged me to go and pray my prayer at long last said to me, learn to discern the difference between the word of God and the word of man. And I think that that, is, that has been relevant to me every single day of my Christian life. Learn to discern the difference between God's word and man's word. word. Follow God's word. Not, don't, be, don't be flattered or encouraged or intimidated by the word uh, of, of man. So, that's, a, that's quite a, a challenge for us. So then we come, so that is, that is the preamble to the next part, uh, which is John 3.16. But before that, I, I want to talk about um, a couple of things. Uh, again, in preparation for this, I was, I, I love history. Uh, I, I should have done history at A-level and I, should have, I didn't do it. But anyway, one of the things I learned uh, in history was that in the American Civil War, Oh, not the Civil War, the American War of Independence, when the British were clearly losing and wanted to come to a conclusion, rather than screwing the Americans down, the, the actual uh, Prime Minister at that time came to the Americans and said, we want you to prosper. We want you to, to prosper and expand because we will prosper at the same time. And I thought that was an amazing thing. And then, of course, we're coming to Remembrance Day and we're looking at the First World War and the Second World War and the wars also now that have been in the last few years. You look at the First World War, and I don't know if you ever look at things like Who Do You Think You Are? There were some stories on that that I watched this week about the First World War and the horrors of that. First World War and the damage it did to young men as they went off to war. And at the end of that war, and when Germany lost, the Allies decided that they would punish Germany severely for that. So they made them pay reparations, they made them pay back money uh, due to the war. And that really pressed down on the Germans and it invent- eventually ended up with the rise of Hitler and fascism. And when that Second World War came, the Allies made a a decision not to follow the same punishment 
for the people of, of Germany. So they actually had a plan to rebuild Germany and to put money into them to build them back up. And we see Germany today, a very different country, very prosperous country, uh, living in the, in the, the uh, glory of that. And what I saw, th- these parallels, what I saw here was that God doesn't just want us to come to him to punish us. No, his hand is out to bless us. You see, when we, certainly I was one who was anti-God, as many of you will know from my, my testimony. I was railing against God. I didn't believe him, but I didn't. I thought it was rubbish. I was at war with God. Most people are, unless they are born again, born again are at war with God. They will not accept the truth of what Jesus has said. And yet, what Jesus does and what the Father has done, he gave his only son to us as a sacrifice. And the picture that I I see, the difference that I, I see is that you have the money changers. As I said, here's the sacrifice, where's your money? Oh yeah, with God it is, here is the sacrifice, this is a free gift. Come to me and you will, you will have salvation. You will have peace in your life. There is no longer a war between man and God when you accept Jesus. So let's just have a look at the, the scripture there. I've done it from the message This is where I have to put my money, my glasses on. It's on the roof. This is what it says in, in, the, in the message. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son. And the word that, emphasi- that God emphasized to me there was gave. He didn't say You do this and you can have it. It's not an exchange like that. He gave Jesus to us. Here is the sacrifice. Here is the peace deal. Do you accept it? It's the most wonderful deal. But can you have the humility to accept it? It says, he gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go into all of the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted, you know, made, declared not guilty. But anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. I, I was so familiar with God so loved the world that he gave his only 
begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, etc. That I found that so refreshing. It's such a... Uh, it, I, I was listening to uh, Gerald Coates, who I would normally find very difficult, but he was talking about the message, and he said the message was really good because it actually stops us. It makes us read things more slowly and digest it more fully. And that's what it, I felt there, that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Isn't that an amazing thing? So here is the gift of eternal life that we can have. We don't have to pay money. We don't have to do good works. We don't have to say, look how much I've read. Look how much I've prayed. No, it is simply coming to him and accepting that Jesus died for us and rejoicing in that. God doesn't want our money. He doesn't want our good works. What he wants is our worship. And as we worship him, that love for him, we will give. We will go and serve him. We will go and speak to our neighbors. It comes out of that joy of knowing that we are safe in his hands, safe in the presence of God. So, we live in a world that is assaulting us with that morality. Sometimes we pick up what, in fact, I would say very, very often, we live in a, a soup of world with the news particularly. It's bombarding us all the time. But what we need to do is come back to, that, as that song says, the heart of worship. We need to come back to God's word, which, is, which says that Jesus is the one who paid the price. So let me just pray for you. If you, if you don't know Jesus, there's a wonderful offer. It's a peace deal that God has already, he doesn't negotiated it with us, he is giving it to us for free. He doesn't need to negotiate it with us because he is the creator of the universe. Uh, let me just also uh, finally do one, one thing, which is to show you the price. Um, some, uh, well, I know what day it was, the, uh, and, and Steve Bagley will also know this day. It was uh, November the 26th, uh, but it was 1986. Uh, I uh, arranged that uh, Leslie and I would go out to, uh, up into London and that I would ask her to marry me. And I've probably told you this story. I, we were on the embankment in London. Uh, there was a, a, a homeless man on the bench by the side with his, with his bottle in his, in his paper bag. It's a classic. Uh, and we were standing there uh, looking out over towards Westminster. And I said to Leslie, it was cold, November. Would you marry me? And she she said yes. I won't tell you all of the story because it would take too long. Uh, but she said yes. The next day, and we were not Christians, okay? So we were not... Um, we, we, the next day, we decided that we would go 
and we would choose an engagement ring. I don't know if, if, it's, if you're supposed to go and buy the ring first before you ask. That wasn't the way I... Perhaps it was the way I was brought up. Just make sure the discipline, and then you spend your money. Yeah, John's nodding at me. <laughs> that's the way us boys work. All this kind of buying it in advance. <laughs> no, that's that's the modern way of doing it. No, we're we're a bit more uh, want to get the decision done, and then we'll and then we'll part with the money. Uh, but Leslie and I went out, and we went round a number of different jewelers, and we came to uh, a, a jewel a jewelry shop. And we saw this ring that really Leslie loved. And I, I thought it was a beautiful ring as well. And so we bought it. That was the, that was the deal that we, we struck, that this was um, sealing our engagement. And we paid £173. It makes me sound as if I'm some sort of mean person that calculates every penny. But I just, I, I just remember these sort of facts. It was, Leslie won't, but it was 173 pounds of my money that I spent uh, on this. And we had a wonderful ring. Now, the, here it is. I'm going to show it to the camera. Can you, can you see that? Look at that sparkly ring. Look at all that 173 pounds worth of ring that I've spent there. It was worth quite a bit more then. And we've had to re- rebuild it as well. We've spent more money on it in the past. When I said to Leslie, could I, could I use the ring? Uh, she said, if you lose it, there will be hell to pay. <laughs> I'm not sure hell was going to pay, but I knew what she meant. <laughs> that is just a piece of metal and some stones dug out of the ground. But it actually means something. It is priceless to Leslie and myself. It not only at that time told us of our love for each other at that time, but it, may, it told us of our commitment to the future of well, as well, of being together. It was that that we were, we were saying. Even now, it, it's, it's also to us, it is looking back over our marriage this is what has happened. These are the things, these are the joys. These are the things we've gone through together. But it is also saying we are also in this together. It's, it's priceless to us, but it's just a piece of metal and stone. But the way that God looks at us is that we are priceless to him. So much so that he gave us Jesus. He didn't give us a cross. He gave us a man on a cross, his son on the cross. That is the cost that he was prepared to pay for us. Not 173 pounds, but the life of his son, that we may have that eternal life, that blessed life that starts not when we die, but starts now. So let me just pray for you. If you, if you don't know Jesus, let me just pray that you understand that God just didn't do this in, on a five-minute whim. This was a plan that you would come to know him. And he paid the price by sending his son for you. So, Lord, I just pray, Father, if, if people don't know you, Lord, I just pray that you will just quicken their spirit, Lord. You will touch their hearts, Lord. They will come to a knowledge of you, Lord. And that they will 
uh, rejoice in knowing you. Uh, what God wants you to do if you don't know him is to say, Father, although I don't know you, I want to know you. I want to turn away from the things that I have done wrong in the past. And I want to uh, ask for your forgiveness. And I believe that you died for me and you paid an, an amazing price for me so that I can have that, that joy and eternal life. Ask him. There may be that God puts in, in your mind things that you've got to ask him to forgive you for. It may be that you have got to uh, forgive others because there's a cost that you have to pay for this. This is not cheap grace. This is not cheap, yeah, I can got it. I've got the badge of being a Christian. It's on my lapel. It's not like that. This is a change of lifestyle. This is a change for eternity. This is a change that you will make once and you will never, ever be cast out from the Father's love. He has given you that opportunity. He has given his son for you and he wants you to know him because he loves the world. He loves each one of us. He loves you so much so that he gave his son to buy you out of sin and into his glorious life. <clears throat> if you do know him, and although you follow God, but you're feeling, uh, you start to have those pharisaical thoughts that, yeah, these people are good, but yeah, these people are bad. You need to repent of that because God died for every single one of us. Every single person, whatever their lifestyle, their politics, their religion at the moment, God died for each one of them. And God wants us to know how much he loves them. And we need to check our hearts, check up on our hearts that they are not bitter towards other people because that's not what God wants. He loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus, for those people. So I just want to encourage you to know Jesus. So if that is also for you, then let's just pray. Lord, I just pray, come. Forgive us, Lord, where we judge people. Forgive us where we, uh, we segregate people. Put them in pigeonholes, Lord. Father, I pray that you will forgive us and you will set us free, that we will love those people and that because you have first loved us and you have also first loved those people too, Lord. So we pray that in Jesus' name.